You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome into episode 28 of the Level Flight Podcast. I'm joined by both Brian and Elliot today. We got a full crew. The Jets have been off for a while now, but there is still hockey in Winnipeg to, to talk about. The, we'll start with the Manitoba Moose, who are last night went up 2-1 in their series against Milwaukee. Uh, last time we talked, we were before Game 2 of this series, which ended in a Jansen Harkins OT winner. Last night, White Bongiovanni gets the OT winner, and the Moose are up 2-1. We also missed Kevin Sheveldayoff's uh, year-end presser. Uh, Rick Bonus's year-end presser where he kind of walked back his statement made after Game 5. So there is a lot to talk about today. How are you guys doing? Uh, we got a big episode. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> um, if you haven't already seen all the, the, the frustration from that week as a Jets fan, we'll get another dose of it today. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to talk about the Moose after the last couple of games because they're on the, the brink of advancing. Yeah, it's been some frustrating times in uh, on Jets Twitter, Jets Facebook, whatever social media app you want to look at. Uh, people are frustrated because it seems as though we'll, we'll get into the interviews later, but it seems as though the Jets aren't really trying to take accountability for for the way the season ended. Um, but let's start with the Moose uh, before we get into game three, game two on home ice. Um Brian, I know you were in attendance for game one where they got smoked. Um, I was in attendance for game two. It was a much closer, tighter game. Cole Meyer scores with 52 seconds left to tie it. Uh, They take that energy into overtime. Jansen Harkins scores, I think, roughly five minutes into OT. And they tie the series up going back to Milwaukee. And clearly they carried that momentum into Milwaukee where they won again 3-2 in overtime. Um, and Daniel Fink, the play-by-play commentator, he's going to lose his voice if the Moose keep winning in overtime. But um, Brian, what what did you see in Game Two, like it, it specifically? Because I know you watched the the bad in Game One, and then they they kind of turned it around in Game Two there. Yeah. Uh, well, firstly, before I do that, uh, as you said, shout out to Daniel Fink. Like yeah. he is just yeah. absolutely doing just incredible work right now. Uh, I mean, he, he's always been a true pros pro, but it's just his playoff calls so far have just been outstanding. I had to listen to most of that one on the radio. So hearing that, uh, you know, over the, the, the airwaves was just phenomenal. But yeah, so I think honestly, the biggest thing, and I think he made a big point of this in last week's episode was Oscari Salmonen made the saves he needed to make. He made some big saves that honestly in game one would have gone in without any sort of issue. Um, I Huge think that Salmon was... and fan, Brian. Oh, noted, noted, scary Salmon and fan. Yeah, you've been the noted, scary Salmon yeah. and fan. <laughs> Listen, go it's back to like the first few episodes, uh, and uh, yeah. you'll you'll hear it. Um, but no, so th- I thought that was a big difference. Uh, but also, they just seemed a little bit more relentless in terms of getting pucks to the net. Um, they were really testing uh, Askarov. Uh, and he made a lot of big saves, but I, he's one of those guys though, that you can surprise him. He's one of those goalies that he's there's occasionally he's, he lets his guard down or something. And that's kind of what happened with the Cole Meyer tying goal where he just sent it back to the net and 
uh, managed to get it passed, and then ended up it was a rebound that Harkins cleaned up in overtime. But uh, no, I think they did exactly what they needed to do in terms of effort, where they took the good parts out of game one. Uh, they eliminated a lot of the the bad mistakes. They made the saves, and it led to a win. Um, but yeah, I uh, big fan of the the return to form there in the the second game. Yeah, I mean, I've heard from all. Well, I mean, you see it on social media and stuff. I've heard that the power play hasn't been working. Obviously, they converted in game three um, in, in the critical moment, which is. If you're gonna convert win. any, yeah. yeah. If you're gonna convert at any time, I think that's good. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I think it's just good for some part of this organization to have some success in the playoffs. It's nice. Um, hopefully, the Moose can come back and um, and win Game Four, clean up that series, say done, move on to what would that be? Round three, technically. I'm not sure how the new. I, I don't know how the new format. Where I know there's an entirely new format for the AHL playoffs. It's weird people teams get buys that sort of thing so it's i'm not too versed on it but um so weird uh, hopefully for round three then they can come back and maybe we get some more playoff hockey and i just keep supporting them they're a fun team i know game one we talked about in or did we yeah we talked about game one yeah how yeah. their effort we talked about their, that entire week before we were like oh their effort's great and blah, blah blah and then game one they just had nothing in the tank but i think that was a rust factor this team definitely actually seems to show some heart, which I think is good for a farm team in an organization where the parent club doesn't have any hearts at sometimes. Like guys just don't care. Like to be honest, I I would really prefer if the Jets were to lose or either team to lose, and at least there was some effort. Like at least mm. you can at least say, "Okay, well you at least tried." And I know the Moose do that. And this season, it's been converting to wins. I know they have a lot of good players, but. If you can have that as your farm system and have guys who are playing with a bunch of other guys, maybe there's some veterans in there that are contributing to that. But if you have guys like Chibrikov, who we'll probably talk about in a minute, you guys have Jilk, like guys like Jilkin, who's mean that at least get opportunities mm-hmm. to practice with these guys and at least be around that culture of, hey, you have to give it your all the entire time. So when those guys who have higher ceilings are ready to come up, they are much well versed in not giving up trying harder, giving full effort. And maybe that starts to rub on guys who, if this core stays for the Jets, maybe that the young guys start to rub off on the older guys and they maybe change something. Or you compl- you start a completely different culture down in the farm system and it gets reculminated and it's continued as guys come up once you've kind of cleaned house, depending on where the Jets go this offseason. But right. <laughs> I, I, th- I just think it's good. For for somebody in this organization to to, <laughs> to win, win games, so yeah. Well, in the post game last night, uh, I wasn't a part of it. Uh, you could have, I could have done it over Zoom, I guess. But um, Mark Morrison was asked about his team's fight after Milwaukee tied the game with roughly twelve minutes left in the third, and there was a, a positive use of the word pushback. By from Mark Morrison, <laughs> he said, "I actually liked my team's pushback." I went, "Whoa, pushback! Whoa, that's a that's a, a fighting word, apparently." Um, but no, that you're right. This team doesn't give up. That that was a big thing in game two. Uh, they like peppered Askarov with grade A chances, and he was making some ridiculous saves in game two. And I I was saying like I I just don't think they can beat him this game. I, I think Milwaukee's going to win because 
the way that game was going, he was standing on his head. And then they scored the goal late. They scored the goal in overtime. And then they put up three on him again in game three. Um, and like you said, the power play, that's such a big thing. If they can get the power play going, holy moly. They were 0 for 9 coming into that overtime attempt. Finally got one. Now they're 1 for 10. And yeah, the, the round three thing, it, it makes me so mad because I want to tweet out like, oh, the, the Moose have a chance to advance um, on Friday because they do, right? They have a, a chance to advance on Friday. But am I going to say they have a chance to advance to round three or two? Because like three yeah. people are going to be like, whoa, they're going to the Western Conference Finals. And it's going to be like, no, yeah. they're not. Because the It's HL's actually the semifinal. Me. It's actually the division semifinals, but whatever. If, if you want my opinion on it, you you should call not round one, round one. If it's not round one, yeah. call it the call play, it the play in, in. The play, the play the in wild card. or the wild yeah. card game, game or the wild card series, whatever. And then you start with round one. Because that's what yeah. you said. I that, like, like you said, I was looking at their graphic. They made a graphic of like oh, only 12 wins left or whatever to mm. win the Calder Cup. And I'm like, okay, but that says they're in round two on their banner on Twitter. Yeah. And if they win, they advance round three. So I got really confused. I was like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like, yeah, I'm not going to obviously bash. There's no point in bashing. Well, like yeah, that. it's, I, it's, I, it's, it's a, just it's a technicality, the... but it's still like weird to, to say that they might advance to round three, but it's really round two. It, it has me confused. Anyways, the power play, if that gets going, this team is dangerous. Obviously, special teams is such a big thing. And solving Askarov has been such a big thing that, and Oscar Salmonen, like the goaltending battle, right? If he can stay consistent, like, which there has been some problems this year, uh, where he occasionally he'll have these stretches where he'll look like the best goalie in the AHL. Uh, and then, and then yeah. randomly he'll have a couple games in a row where he blows up big time. So yeah. I have a feeling though it'll do wonders for his confidence if he can, you know, backstop this team to a series win. Then who knows? Absolutely. Like that's the thing. Playoff sample sizes are so weird because you can be an unreal goalie and have a rough, you know, few game stretch and then your season's over, or you can be kind of middling to, you know, a lower, you know, group of goalie. And then suddenly you're one of the best in the league. Like in the NHL is a great example of this. Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck. Andre Vasilevsky (laughs) was statistically the worst goalie in the playoffs this year. Like he, you'd like to have him on your team. That's the thing. Like, you know what he's going to do in the regular season, but Ultimately, playoffs are almost a coin flip in hockey. Uh, it's just there's so much that can happen that can ruin uh, a run based on luck, essentially. Um, yeah. So if Selmanen, you know, just puts together a few good games, then suddenly he looks like he's going to be one of the better guys in the playoffs. But it, it, it can flip like that. Like it, it really doesn't. There's no way to predict it. And that's that's what's weird about it. And that's the kind of the beauty of hockey where there's no way to properly know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's the HL playoffs are kind of like an even bigger um, anomaly in that. In like, it's just random. Like Nashville sent down all these NHL players to Milwaukee. You would think Milwaukee would just roll. They also added Joaquin Kemmel, their first round pick last night to the lineup. Like you would think with all these NHLers that got a month of NHL experience. But then again, you look at the Moose. They have a bunch of NHLers, right? Jansen Harkins got the OT winner, Dominic Toninato. Alex Limoges could be a fringe NHL or somewhere. Ville Hanala, Declan Chisholm, Gavanka, whatever. They have a deep lineup mm-hmm. where it comes down to goaltending. And if Salmonen's hot, it's uh, it's watch out because this team is good. Um, and also a part of the Moose right now, actually, because he's on a professional tryout, is Nikita Chibrikov. 
who the Winnipeg Jets signed to his entry-level contract for the next three seasons. Uh, we did a prospect update like months ago, and I believe we talked about him, but I believe he had one goal or like one point in 30 games in the league he was playing. And it was a pro league. Um, it wasn't like some junior league that he was struggling in. It was a pro league, so it, he, there's reason for him to struggle there. But he's a very small, speedy winger that dominates off the rush. Um, he has a few clips that if you put him in a Nikolai Ehlers jersey, you would just think, oh, that's the exact same player because that's that's honestly the way he looks when he's skating and he's skating circles around the zone. Um, but what were your guys' thoughts that they finally got that deal done? And what are you kind of expecting out of Chibrikov? Not not this year because he just joined the Moose, but starting next season in training camp and everything. Elliot, I'll start with you. Um, well, I'm hoping he just gets a opportunity like obviously he's not going to make the NHL roster I know we've talked about that with a couple of guys that came up and like Danny Jelkin is one of them who very much impressed with the NHL roster I'm assuming he at least got a look to be on the NHL roster because he looked that good same with Brad Lambert we know that he got an opportunity so someone like Chibrikov obviously we bring him to training camp see where he's at look at him amongst his peers he is a second-round pick, so you kind of have mm-hmm. a higher ceiling for him. You think that his floor is probably higher than a lot of guys already at, at a certain point. He's obviously been playing in Russia. Um, I believe it looks like he, he played. It says he played 31 games in the K this year. Um, I don't one goal, one assist, two points. So his his, his best yeah. was in his best time was in the uh, MHL, which is that's the uh, junior league, I believe. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, that because the the V is the uh, second tier. Um, but yeah, he split time between the second tier and the junior league. It seemed like obviously against his own peers in Russia, he was quite good. So we'll see how he is in training yeah. camp. I would assume next year, if they sign to his entry-level deal, he's getting the professional trial with the Moose now. I'm assuming he's just getting trying to get acclimated to North American ice and to get ready for next year with the Moose. So that's where kind of I see him being. Obviously, if he competes with the Jets in training camp, maybe he gets an opportunity in a preseason game or two for the Jets to see him against other higher-level competition. But I don't think we see much other than that, unless he unless he has a Brad Lambert-type preseason where he just looks so dominant but that that's kind of where i'm expecting him to be and maybe he plays mostly in the ahl next year or if the jets are not very good maybe he gets a late season call up yeah um i think that what we're seeing here is a little bit of that shift for the jets where you're not seeing a lot of size coming in but you're seeing a lot of speed, a lot of skill. So in the next few years, uh, you're going to see a lot of excitement in terms of just how the players are actually playing their games. And I think um, it's not necessarily indicative of how he was playing with, you know, against the, you know, the actual KHL, because I know uh, in a lot of the leagues, either in Europe or Russia, they give their, you know, the prominent roles to the, the veterans. And a lot of the times the young guys will just play minimal minutes or even just they'll be dressed, but they won't actually play. So it's essentially, it's a bit of a toss up there. So I do think that the, the second league numbers and the junior numbers are a bit more indicative of the fact that he can produce. Um, But I mean, the second league, I'm not going to compare leagues because it's entirely different styles, but if you're going to kind of look at it this way, like if he's not, you know, doing as well in the NHL level, so they send him down to the second league, maybe it's like 
maybe he can step into the moose and understand that they're not the the, the NHL and he can you know do his thing. Uh, maybe you see him start to produce fairly well next year in his first uh, you know North American season. But uh, I know as Elliot was saying, it's kind of a wild card. You don't really know what you're gonna like timeline wise. Like it could just be a acclimate yourself year and then it's the next year that's better. But yeah, I think it's a really good thing though to get him into the North American system to try and get him on a track to the NHL. Cause I think there's a lot of talent there that, uh, I mean, a lot of people just don't have the ability to watch. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can't sit here and act like I'm watching every Nikita Chibrikov game or like any at all. Like, like he's, we, we do our, we do our research on what kind of player he is and we look at the stats, but I'm not, I haven't tuned into a single KHL game this year. I'm not going to sit here and act like I have. Um, but then again, I think he's, he's very, like he he's gonna be on the moose next year to start the year, unless like Elliot said, he has some crazy jump um and has a crazy preseason where he just looks unbelievable. I think ha- giving him a year in the HL, maybe two is the Jets. That's what the Jets like to do is give guys until they're 21, 22 in the AHL and then move them up. Former second round pick, Dylan Sandberg, right? He played in the AHL for two, three years, and then they moved him up. And they definitely, or they should really like how that turned out because he was been, he's been great this year, but I think that's the Jets MO is they like to bring prospects in, sign them to their entry-level deal, give them two to three years in the HL. If they impress in year one, maybe they call them up if there's an injury in the top six that needs to be addressed. But I, I think the next year or two, he'll be, he'll be a member of the Moose and it'll be fun to watch him produce because the Moose are a deep team and whether he's playing with, 22 year old Parker Ford or Danny Jilkin or whoever, like there's going to be a bunch of young guys uh, on the team next year. uh, And it'll be a big year for development. So that that'll be something to watch for the moose next year. I know they're still in the playoffs. We're not quite on the off season talk for the moose yet, but that is uh, that's probably a huge thing to watch because Hanala might get graduated Chisholm, Gavanka, who knows that team might look a lot different next year. So we'll see. But I I think should be a a member. I think to kind of go back to what Brian said, um, like, oh, I lost my train of thought now. God darn it. Anyway, yeah, I mean, like, I think, well, oh my God. Yeah, I've lost my train of thought now. I had the, I had the thought that was actually really good. And I, well, we'll take your word for it that yeah. it was really good. Yeah. The train has <laughs> left the station. Oh, I left you a, on the platform. I think it was about acclimation. I think, I mean, like, you look at oh, how, um, like, and, and Connor, you've echoed this too. I think, him getting a year or two in with the moose is good. I think because the Jets, I think I don't know what it I think it's also indicative of how they like to develop their players. They look for guys with higher floors, but have super high ceilings, and so that they need to develop so that they look like they can produce right away, so that they at least have a little bit of confidence going in as well. Like mm-hmm. you look at you look at someone like Vili Hanala. Obviously, we think that he was ready for the nhl pretty early um but he obviously wasn't to the organization right um so i i think that i would say probably in a year or two that makes the most sense i think the other thing quickly too is i like the direction where the jets are going with what they're doing in terms of the draft i think we're finally seeing them look at the league trends see where the league is going and they're finally drafting accordingly. And now in these next couple of years, we'll actually see those guys that they've been drafting that are going with the league MO come up and play so that we don't have the same style of team that we've had for this core. 
Yeah, the, uh, the thing you touched on with the high floor thing, that's why, to me, the Brad Lambert pick was so surprising, was because he was a guy who has all the potential in the world, but clearly needs needs uh, help with his confidence, help with his game, whatever he needs help with, um, because he slid, right? He was, he was a top five prospect, and then he slid to the bottom uh, of the first round, and the Jets snagged him. But he has the potential to be a top 10 player from this class because he's just that talented. He has that much speed, that much skill. He's um, looking unreal right now for yes. Seattle. Which, yes. uh, there's a yeah. chance that uh, the Winnipeg Ice might be facing off against the Seattle Th- Thunderbirds. Uh, Ice just uh, advanced to the WHL Championship, uh, dispatching the Saskatoon Blades uh, with ease, it seemed. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, so we're waiting on that. But there's a solid chance you might be able to see Brad Lambert in the WHL uh, you know, championship there. That Seattle team is unreal, but so is yeah, the ice. I, so it's it's like uh, that'll be a really really good matchup. Yeah, yeah. And Connor, I am so yeah. hyped for that series. And Connor may mention it too. Um, that's another guy who may get a call up next year to the Moose. Like back again would be Brad Lambert. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's True. chipper. Like you look at that roster next year, and I think that is paramount of just like. Maybe not. Develop. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It may not be the best moose roster we've seen, obviously, but there will be a lot of high-profile talent Chaz and guys Lucius? with. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say Shaz Lucius coming back. Hopefully, he looked good before he got his season ended short again. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you go up and down your prospect pool and you keep throwing in names and you go, okay, this this team may not be good, but they may develop. They may develop into a team where by the second year of that group being together, they may be dynamite. And then you see a bunch of them graduate to the NHL level, or they get picked off one by one going up to the NHL level. And we never actually right. see them all play together, depending on guys like Jokin. If he has another good preseason, I can see the jets at least trying him out for preseason uh, more games this preseason and giving him an opportunity. But yeah, that's the thing about AHL. It's, it's hard to predict because you never like it's all hinging on the NHL team. Right. And you can't predict injuries. You can't predict trades. Well, I guess you kind of can, but in mid season, not really. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Brad Lambert has 19 points in nine playoff games, which is nuts. Like he is just going off in the, in the WHL playoffs. So I'm really hoping that those two teams meet in the finals because that would be some fun hockey to watch. Like you said, Brian. Um, we want to get to Kevin Sheveldayoff's comments uh, and Rick Bonus and kind of just wrap up the 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 presser. But before do, before we do that, we're going to hear a word from our two sponsors, DraftKings and Raycon. Uh, you're going to hear Brian read them. He does a great job at it. Um, so stay tuned. We're going to hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Let's face it. With coffee starting at $5 and our bank accounts somehow always depleting, we are entering a dupe session. Most products do the same thing but are priced differently solely based on the brand name. So, a good duplicate, or dupe, is crucial for getting the highest quality at the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on, Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Maybe you're on a budget and are looking for quality audio without having to sacrifice some well-earned money. Well, look no further than Raycon. Raycon's mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some of those other big-name tech brands out there. 
Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy now, pay later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have an easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. They offer free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. And they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. One of the best features of Raycons are how they have custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, which is perfect for the eight hours of playtime you can get from the everyday earbuds. And if you wear them for eight hours, they have to be comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, the Edmonton Oilers are a minus 125 favorite over the Vegas Golden Knights in their seven-game series. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for other details. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. And we are back. We are here for Kevin Shoveldayoff's comments because that was that was a big thing. We we released the episode last week, Monday morning. Chevy spoke Sunday, but we recorded our episode Saturday, so we missed these comments. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on it because there's a lot to get to. He talked for over 40 minutes, I believe. I think it was close to 45 minutes. And answered one question. I know. It didn't really feel like he answered anything um even though he talked for that long so i'll start with you brian what what were your overall takeaways and was there anything that like stood out to you where you were like wow that i didn't expect him to say that i mean it was very cut and dry he just wanted to get out of there kind of thing but what what stood out to you well i think the the thing that stood out to me was um his i mean i was i I wouldn't necessarily call it condescension but it felt like that where it was uh essentially saying that you know people don't understand how hard it is to make the playoffs which yes it's a it's a grind whatever but also half the league makes it like all you have to do is be better than half of the league uh to make the playoffs but it felt like that was an admission of just that's the goal is just to make the playoffs yeah and having you know gone since 2011 here and there's only been three series wins three yes uh yeah maybe shoot higher and then you might get further like it just it feels like that was just an admission of uh striving for mediocrity because it keeps you exactly where you can to you know get maybe one round of playoff revenue uh but then you don't have to worry about you know building a a super team like it, it just feels like 
this isn't fancy hockey, Brian. Yeah, that that yeah, well, I mean that this felt well, like uh, a thing of like uh, I am the GM of this team, which it was confirmed that he will return next year. Um, yep. I am the GM Along of this with team, bonus, uh, and uh, we are going to do exactly what's needed to stay in the middle. It doesn't feel like they're going to make any sort of leaps and bounds towards you know winning the division. It doesn't seem like they're going to be bad enough to win a pick. Uh, it just seems like they are happy with being right in the middle because it keeps them close to the playoff picture because it's difficult to get there. Yeah. Elliot, what, what were your takeaways? Well, I think first off, we need to uh, applaud uh, Kevin Cheveldale for having talked to any political member of any party <laughs> for being able to answer any sort of question. Um, th- th- that's how I see his pressers as. A lot of it is him learning from politicians and not answering questions or going roundabout ways of answering things. And so when you're a member of the media, I feel bad for them. They were in there for 45 minutes and got nothing other than the Jets want to be mediocre. And you can't, I'm sorry, but I think, and I I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think I can speak for a lot of people that are fans of this team. They don't want mediocrity. This city wants either you're going to be bad or be good. Try to do something and be good. They don't want mediocrity. We saw how that was this year before the season even started when they said, let's run it back. The entire fan base went no, because it just means mediocrity. Nobody wants to be mediocre unless it just, you have to be because guys aren't performing and then you make changes. A good organization does that. And I, I don't know if I can currently say that the Jets are a good organization. I, I, I know that can that might anger some people, but it's hard to say that when they're not really doing anything to try to be good. Or at least you're not even saying that you want to be good. Like, at least come out and say, oh, we're trying to be a top five team. We're trying to be the best team in the NHL. We're trying to win a cup. That was never mentioned at all in the entire press conference. We're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's let's just try to make the playoffs. Great. That's not the, that's not the, what the players' goals are. A lot of them talked about in their own press conferences, in 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 that media availability day in those exit interviews, they said they wanted to win a cup. So there's clearly a not a message being sent here from management down to the players because the players want to win the cup and the management just wants to be good enough to make some money. Um, I think something else I want to make mention was that day was just supposed to be both the players and Rick bonus and Kevin shovel day off came out. Like it was Monday night raw and someone had called him out and he made a surprise appearance. Cause from what I got, from Maiden, him? I think, I think it was bonus that made the surprise appearance. I, I was told that it was supposed to be it Kevin. Chevy? It was shit. I, oh. I believe I read something somewhere online saying Chevy was not, that's why he was 30 minutes. They had to wait 30 minutes was because he wasn't supposed to. So I'm wondering if he was listening to the interviews, somebody told him something about one, something and he didn't like what they had to say. And so he had to go in. Maybe I believe it was probably one of Rick bonuses comments where he walked back the line slightly, but then still thought that his team didn't play well in game five. And so Chevy had to go, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. And had to storm out there and be like, no, no, no. Those players played their butts off in game five and they were great. I I am absolute I'm trying not to lose it right now thinking of Chevy doing a, a raw promo 
yeah uh, just coming out there and someone asks him a question and he goes let me talk to you uh, and then just absolutely goes off about you know little things and after every pause you just hear a what <laughs> yeah yeah for so our wrestling that, that, fans the, we're, we're, we're trying yeah we're trying. Well, yeah, yeah. The, they'll under, to everyone we're getting to every every uh, they'll, they'll understand here. they'll get it um yeah. so it, it's just to me that entire press conference was a waste he rushed it because he wasn't supposed to be there that day he didn't answer any questions and he honestly angered the fan base even more by what he said so if he's trying to like take a target off his back i think the bounty went up on his wanted poster Oh, and it only got worse when they sent out that email the next day. Oh, Connor, you yes. want to read it um, out? Connor, you I, can read that out. And you can uh, say whatever you'd like about that email. Yeah, so this email came out uh, Monday. Yeah, Monday at like 5 p.m. or like 4.50-ish. Um, let me just get it here and read it out. Okay, here we go. Uh, Jets reflect on the ups and downs of the 2022-23 season is the title. Whenever a team doesn't reach the lofty goals set in training camp, disappointment will always be present as, as year-end exit meetings are conducted and locker stalls cleaned out. The Jets had plenty of pushback against Vegas in round one. They won game one and rallied back from a 4-1 deficit in the third period of game three before ultimately falling in overtime. In game four, another deficit, this time 3-1, became a one-goal game in the third before an empty netter. The only disappointing part was game five. I'm sorry, but when... <laughs> Okay, when Rick Bonus after game five comes out and calls out the team for not having pushback, and then he call he comes to his press conference, having six of the players already said we didn't like the way he handled it, and he basically walks back what he said. He said, I didn't like using the word disgusting. Um, he did say I, I would never put up with a performance like that, etc. But you bring in, when Rick Bonus was brought in, it was for accountability. That's what it was for. And then he says these bad things about the team. The players don't like it. He walks it back. Chevy doesn't like it. And then you release a media email that completely undermines him by saying the Jets had plenty of pushback in the series. That That is terrible i'm sorry but that's awful because how does that make him feel wanting to come back after he what? said he wants yeah. to come back yeah like that's i would have say why like, would he want to come back now he's here for accountability he preached accountability everyone hated it and the jets sent out a thing to season ticket holders under my like chopping him off at the knees what why would he want to come back he said he wants to come back he probably and he probably will but this is just like a massive middle finger he's not getting out he's not getting resigned that's for sure bonus he's under contract that's what i'm saying for this season but i'm saying after this year i don't think he gets an extension i think just for what's happened and then i don't think i don't think he wants one and i think for what's happened i don't think the management would even think about offering him one i think they're just gonna ride out the contract and put him on the ship and let him sail out in the ocean yeah the 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 last line of it saying the only disappointing part was game five Oh, that was got me. That linked to Shevel Dayoff clearly making playoffs the goal. Like, there's zero accountability. Like, what about the zero. other three losses? Yeah. Are those not disappointing fact- that you couldn't actually win a game? You won one playoff game the yeah. entire season. In a like, game that, where that Vegas didn't season. play well either. That was your season. You won one playoff game. And that the only disappointing part was game five. Like, the rest of the season it. was a success. And then, yeah. Another thing about Shevel Dayoff's presser, he never once said, 
I need to be better. We need to be better. We need to be better as an organization. We the the fans deserve better. No, the whole time he stood up there and he defended his actions. Yeah, that got that's one playoff win. I just don't I just don't get the the vision because when you win one playoff game, usually you come out and you say we need to be better. I don't know. You haven't won a playoff series in a while. You've won three in twelve years. Uh, I wouldn't think that you would come up there and be like, yeah, we drafted and developed this core and we re-signed this core and we we did a good job uh, making the playoffs and winning one playoff game. And the only disappointing part was game five and we had plenty of pushback, even though everyone knows that's not the case. Like Jets yeah. fans aren't dumb. They watch the games. They're like, they stop talking to them like they are. Yeah. Like they it know goes back that's to the not whole, the, the fantasy hockey thing. Yeah. Like, that's implying that people were like, oh, the Jets should have traded for McDavid at the deadline. Like, no, a lot of people were making very reasonable requests, being like, we need help with scoring. There's a bunch of guys out there who could help with that. Why not see if you can make a run at one of them? And like, a I bunch made a of, post little, about Connor Sheary. You could have yeah, got him for like, a sixth round pick. Like, like, <laughs> like I don't just know. Depth. Like, I, like, I'm yeah. not at, like, we're, yes, we put out stars in, our, like, we talked about them getting quote unquote stars or guys that are point per game or produce more than some other guys. But half of the guys we talked about were guys that would just fill the, the bottom six because we thought they had a good top six when everyone was healthy. Yeah. Also, like, no one's it, trading for Connor Sheary in fantasy hockey. No. Exactly. <laughs> He's not even on the roster, probably. I'm sorry. That sounds terrible, but, like, I don't think he's on the roster. I, I think, also, we, like, I think that comment was linked to Timo Meyer, and I think we talked about Timo Meyer as a possibility, but very early on, we made it very clear that if Highly New Jersey unlikely. wants him... They got them because they have better prospects, better picks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you we know why they? Clear. But you know why they have all those prospects and picks? Because they made the decision that their franchise at that point they had run their course with that core, and it was time to rebuild. And look what happened! Everyone thought they were going to miss the playoffs this year, and I think they were even just saying, "Hey, I think it's a year to develop." And look, they're in the second round of the playoffs. Like yeah. that that's they a, have team. a superstar in Jack Hughes. Cause they and, got and, a top and you know what pick, the best right? part is they can prop if they, even if they get eliminated right now to the Car- Carolina hurricanes, I would even still look at them and say that was a successful season for them. Even if they don't win the cup, they're going to be here they, for a bit. And that's yeah. the thing. They got development out of their young players. They won more games than they thought they were going to. And they won a playoff series. Like I, I if, if the, Honestly, if the management actually comes out and says the season was a disappointment, I'd be very confused. I'm assuming their exit interviews will be much different than the Jets because they will go, we were actually, not expecting to be good, and we were good, and we're very happy with how the team played this year. Actually, I wouldn't be shocked if they're exactly the same because the Jets thought their season was fine. So their exit interviews might yeah. sound exactly the same as the Jets. because, But, but, also, the but Jets they have more they... reason to. I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if they were also like, we thought that we actually had more to to give and we we were expecting to be like that's the thing they got absolutely you know demolished in game one only had 18 shots um carolina did exactly what they needed to do to shut them down so it would not shock me though if they somehow despite making it to the second round and having a season that was better than most expected uh I, i have a feeling they would somehow have more accountability uh than the jets did despite having a better year yep yeah Go ahead, Ellie. But, Go. but but at least they'd have that accountability. Yeah. The, this Jets are like the Jets don't have any currently right now. Like I, I can't confidently say that. 
And so you take a look again at a team like New Jersey. And like Brian said, they probably will have more accountability because they're going to feel like they have more. Like they, they can say that, oh, you know what? We were bad in such and such a game. But you know what? Overall, it was a successful season. At least, and, and they can say that, and I wouldn't be mad at them. I'd say, nope, they exceeded they exceeded expectations. And you know what? They fell short, and they didn't play well against a good Carolina team. Like, everyone was thinking that that Jets, even when, when we were down 3-1, every, even analysts were still saying, oh, the Jets will probably win win game five, take it to a game six. Maybe they steal game six and it goes seven still and Vegas wins. Like people were still saying when they were down 2-1, 3-1. Even I think there were parts of the, at the end of the first period in game five, people were still saying, oh, the Jets will wake up and they'll win a game and maybe maybe they'll at least extend the series slightly because everyone thought that series wasn't over and nothing happened. They didn't. So you have that's where you have to look back as an organization, as a coaching staff, and as a player, and go. You know what? We weren't good enough. We, everyone, we, us included, as well as the media, because most of the time media like to not be in favor of the Jets. Normally, um, I don't know what it is. Some sort of bias, probably. Um, but it's it's just like you would think that they would have this thought of you know what. We thought we should be better. The media thought we should be better. So we probably shouldn't be saying the things about being we were okay and it wasn't a disappointment and yada yada. Because you should know from probably training and just common sense that you're going to get ripped for it. So you should probably think about what you're going to say. Because like I said, this just put a bigger target on Chevy's back. And I don't think this helped him at all with the last couple years of him being the owner. And not... Still not making moves at the deadline. Still not making changes and making sure guys are accountable. Like the list just goes on and on and on and on and on at this point. And and mm. it's just not helping him want to stay. Like local media – now local media is now on to him. Like they had kind of stayed away from him. They did a great him. job in the pressers asking the tough questions. They didn't get the answers, but they asked the tough questions. Yeah. Absol- absolutely. A lot of people get mad that the media doesn't ask tough questions, but they – they they came to bat with that Chevy press conference. But if you guys, if you if you don't have anything else, we can move on. We kind of want to do a quick little five, 10 minute hit on the current Stanley Cup playoffs because there is good yeah. hockey going on right now. Um, do we have anything else on Chevy's presser? Or are we good to, we're good I to mean, move we on? could keep going, but we'll start with oh, that's the thing. <laughs> I, I could keep going, but I think my voice is going to start to go because I'm going to keep <laughs> raising my voice. All right, well, we'll, we'll move on. Um, Brian, I want to start with you because the Kraken are in the second round. Um, you are a noted Kraken writer at the Hockey Writers, as mentioned many times. Uh, they the, the, took the Kraken game one. hat right now. If uh, if you're watching on YouTube, look at that. They took game one. They overcame Joe Pavelski's four goal performance, which yeah. was nuts. Um, but what did you see from game one? I know you wrote a takeaways piece on it, so give us the rundown of that series. Well, it all started with their ability to put the puck in the net. They went down, uh, you know, at one point they were down two one in the first period and then rattled off three goals in 52 seconds to go up four, two by the end of the first, including two goals in 11 seconds. Um, you know, I checked my phone and I was like, what happened? I opened Twitter and it said the Kraken scored three goals in 52 seconds. I went, what? 
I was like, I was shocked, but yeah, carry on. Well, I, it was funny in the takeaways piece. I had a little section of things you can do in 11 seconds. Uh, one of <laughs> nice. which was uh, tie one shoe, uh, maybe two if you're fast. Um, there you you know, there's a few others in there that was really good. Uh, but no, I did. Uh, I talked about that a lot where essentially the whole point of their season and why they're at this point is the fact that they can score like no one else. Like it is yeah. absolutely outstanding, and also they're starting to get uh, an offensive, you know, boost from Oliver Bjorkstrand, who is quiet offensively for a lot of the year. Where a lot of people expect a little bit more, actually, like points out of him. His underlying numbers, as they always have been, have been fantastic. But he wasn't shooting a very high percentage. But now, in the, he's got three goals in his last two games. Uh, you know, he was just he had two against the the Abs in Game Seven, so you got that. But then you also have the ability. That's it. Looks bad because you allow one guy to score four goals. Right. I don't know if you noticed, but they did a fairly good job of keeping guys like Rupe Hints and Jason Robertson very quiet. Guys that you expect yep. to be the ones carrying, you know, the load offensively. That you don't expect Joe Pavelski, who's coming his first game since game one of the first round. Yeah. Like he's coming back from a concussion, and he comes back and does that. Like I, no one can expect that, but I think they did a really good job otherwise of shutting down the stars, uh, you know, top weapons. So it's, you the got stars, that. Stars. I, I was going to say that. And I, <laughs> I didn't want it to sound stupid. So the star um, stars. Yeah. yeah. But you've got that uh, aside from uh, one of the goals where it was a bad rebound. I think it was the tying goal. Uh, Philip Grubauer was solid. I mean, he made the saves he needed to. I wouldn't necessarily say a lot of those were things that he could have stopped. He's been a great story so far. He's been one of the better goalies in the playoffs. You know, he, up going into the series, he had a 926 save percentage through the first round. So he's been exactly as good as they needed him to be because they won a lot of games when their goaltending wasn't fantastic this year. So if they can, if they can get even like league average goaltending out of uh, out of him, uh, I mean, you're you've got a legitimate shot here at actually making a run, and they're showing that they can keep pace and. No, I. Uh, it's been a joy to watch this team this year after, you know, picking up writing for them. It's uh, uh, it's been quite something. But no, that that'll be a good series. I could see it going the distance though, because Dallas isn't necessarily a team that you can keep quiet for a long time. Plus, yeah. you're not going to uh, score five goals on Jake Ottinger every game. Right. I was just about to say that goaltending advantage, or. I guess it might not have been an advantage in game one, but that, that will show up at some point. Jake Ottinger yes. is a known playoff performer. Uh, he, he'll steal some games. Yeah. Elliot, you are, you're a noted, uh, or maybe your not head, so Elliot. noted Leafs fan. <laughs> I can't um, <laughs> we got a Leafs fan on here. I know it's awful, but the, the Leafs, the are, team wasn't uh, they, here yet. They finally the won a series. <laughs> they finally won a series for the first time since 2004. The Panthers upset the Bruins game one. The Panthers took it. Um, kind of give us the rundown of what you saw in game one and what you're expecting to see out of that series. I, I think Florida looked really good in yeah. game one. I, I, I don't think it had anything to do. Like, obviously I don't think the Leafs, here's the word again. They had some pushback. Um, they, I think, We're I think that on they, a shirt. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I think somebody on. should wear it. I, yeah. I think somebody should wear that next year to game. Um, if you do, uh, please at the level flight account. Um, there you go. Look. <laughs> anyway uh <laughs> shameless plug i was gonna plug uh brian's article actually go check it out um anyways um so 
I think Florida played really well in game one. Um, Matthew Nye scored his first career NHL goal, which I think is really cool for some of these guys that get call-ups and score in the playoffs. I think I think that obviously it makes your first NHL goal a little bit which not cooler, but if I could interrupt for just a second, because I forgot to mention ahead. it. Uh, Eric just reminded me. Uh, Jared McCann is still out for the Kraken. Mm, um, right. On the first line right now, and he's looked quite good while he's been there, Ty Cartier, who was an undrafted free agent signing who uh, ended up being rookie of the year in the AHL, uh, is up playing on the top line, scored as, as similar to uh, uh, Matthew Nice. He ended up scored scoring in his debut. His first, yeah, in his debut. Uh, that was a in, nice goal, too. Was that that was a very right? nice goal. Yeah, yeah, a beautiful setup from uh, Jordan Eberle. Yes. Um, but no, uh, but no, I'll let you get back to it, Elliot. But I just wanted to mention that we're seeing that's now two guys who are making their, you know, their debuts in the Stanley Cup playoffs and they've actually made an impact. Um, before we do get back, uh, if you were curious, I pulled up Brian's article. Um, the other things he did say was uh, miss uh, Olympic qualifying for the 100 meter sprint by just under a second. Um, <laughs> send a brief and thought- but thoughtful message to a colleague. Add the hockey mm-hmm. writers to your bookmarks for easy access. Make sure it's Brian and Connors on the oh, hockey writers. Yeah. And it. time to construct. Time is a construct and may not even be linear. So I'll let you ponder that for the rest of this article. Um, so that is the kind of writing you're getting for Brian. So I would. It's phenomenal. I, I think it's great. I would applause. most most certainly. Uh, I wanted to give them a, a, the reader a bit of an existential crisis so they could, you know, take everything that they read in stride and. Uh, also, uh, get over the fact that they just watched a playoff <laughs> overtime game, which is always something. Yeah, I should enter like my writing mind state with that with that thinking. I just want to send my readers into an existential crisis. That's <laughs> what, I'm going to write an article today. It, it, just, it, it, yeah, yeah, it makes you want to come back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Anyways, so, Elliot, Leafs yeah, Panthers. So Leafs Panthers. <laughs> um, as we go off on tangents, that's why the show's great. Um, yeah. So. I think that the Leafs in game two, obviously, they, they need to find a way to shut down Matthew Kachuk. He has just found a way to be this. And I, I know he's a good player, and I know he's a star for the Panthers. I didn't think he was that big of an offensive force. People can tell me, oh, I knew that, but I didn't think he was this important to the Panthers' offense, which he has been. He has been the catalyst. He's been in the round. Obviously, he scores the OT winner in game six. He's in the round for the Carter Verhage goal, I believe. In game seven against Boston, he now plays a huge part in the win against the Leafs. Um, but I think that the Leafs, I I want to say that they have a home ice advantage, but um, there was a comment made. I can't remember who it was from. Some, but somebody of the media there, there was, I think on um, there was a comment made that lots of uh, people that like to go to Leafs games are not really the fan type. They're all the corporate people. Cause they're the only people that can afford the tickets to the games. So they don't always get into it as much. Obviously here we've got lots of fans that do that just to pat the shoulder of Jets fans. Um, but <laughs> I, so I would like to say that home ice advantage is an advantage for them, but I don't know if it is. This Leafs team seems to be more of a road team. Home than ice doesn't exist anymore. I, I, and in the, in these playoffs, the, the road teams have been absolutely dominant. And I think the Leafs have been better on the road. They have looked better on the road, at least from my from my perspective. And so I think that for them, obviously, to take game two back for and then for them to go back to Florida, at least with the series tied, I think that is the most important thing. But I, I it felt like their first – it felt like game one, they had lots of – 
not that their stars were quiet. Like obviously Matthews and um, Marner and Nylander obviously in around the play. It did feel like Marner was kind of absent um, in game one. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I saw him very much, but I think that those guys, obviously they're it's every year with the Leafs. Um, you want to get everything out of those three. You're paying them the most. You're hoping that they produce the most. And so you're, they've now made it to the second round. I know this is now a new thing. And so obviously Leafs fans are going to come up with another excuse that, Oh, well now this is their first time in the second round. So if they lose, it's like that, that that's their excuse. no, before you said that once they made the second round that it won't matter anymore. They figured out how to win a playoff series and they have figured out how to win. So I think that they can make this series competitive, but just continuing to compete. I don't really know if they, I think it was the first time they'd ever played a game, uh, a second round game. I think that obviously that was new for them. I'll give them that for game one, but I think game two, they need to come out and they need to, they need to do what I've been saying that the jets seem to do all year. And I think every team obviously tries to do it. You need to attack the opposition it felt like they were letting Florida come to them. I know Florida is a more experienced team, but like you can't just let teams, especially good teams in the playoffs. You can't just let them come at you. Either you need to meet them in the middle or you need to pounce on them before that they, they end up taking the advantage to you and trying to take the game to you. So I think for the Leafs, I think it's start good starts early. And obviously Ilya Samsonov has been decent enough um, I think he, he looked a little shaky in game one. So I think if he can settle down a little bit, I think that obviously, I don't know. Sergei Bobrovsky is a very good goalie. I know he's very hit or miss. So I don't know if the Leafs have a goaltending advantage, but at least if Samsonov can kind of teeter on that as good, maybe a little bit worse than Bobrovsky and at least keep mm-hmm. that, that sort of battle in check. I think that the Leafs personally, I think the Leafs have more firepower up front. So I think that in their forward and their decor, I think they match up better with Florida. So we'll see. Florida's looked really good. So, and they just defeated the, as I put it on Twitter in air quotes, the greatest team of all time um, or greatest team ever assembled. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a really good series. Matthew Kachuk running rampant in Toronto. That's going to be fun. Um, we already Lots talked kind of about the, yeah, we already talked about the devils and hurricanes. Uh, that's going to be a really fast-paced series, but the yep. Hurricanes really shut down the Devils, so that'll be a fun one to watch. I cover the Oilers for Inside the Rink, uh, so I'll take that series. And you know, we all we got one person for every series here. Look at that. Um, last night, Leon Dreisaitl did his best Joe Pavelski impression, and he scored four goals in a loss. Um, the Oilers lost 6-4. Vegas looked like... The, the, the team they looked like in game five against the Jets, where the Oilers could not get through in the neutral zone. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl scored some power play goals. He scored a goal from below the goal line. He was just playing out of his mind. But Vegas's neutral zone defense, we talked about it uh, a few episodes ago. It is suffocating. You just can't get through. Connor McDavid a few times will deke his way through and fly into the zone. He does that. Um, but other players, they, they really struggled. There was a, a stretch with three minutes left in the game where the Oilers were waiting to pull Stuart Skinner, but they couldn't get into the zone with possession because Vegas was just holding the blue line um, at such an elite level. So that that's going to be a amazing series. I think it's going to be a lot of goals scored, especially if Stuart Skinner uh, keeps playing kind of up and down. Uh, Lauren Brossois played decent. I mean, he led in four goals, one from below the goal line. He's he's not really going to steal any games for Vegas. We know that. But 
I think it it comes down to the Oilers being better at five on five because we know their power plays literally the best in the league, maybe in league history. Uh, but they can't score goals five on five. Drysaddle's fourth, I believe, was their only five on five goal last night. Or his first was two from below the goal line. But they 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 score so many goals in the power play. Uh, they need to up it at five on five. It's going to be tough against Vegas's neutral zone defense, but that's going to be such a fun series because McDavid versus Eichel is another storyline from that same draft. Eichel stole the puck and scored the empty net, empty netter last night. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on that. I still think the Oilers win this series, but I think it's going to go six or seven games. Uh, and maybe you see Jack Campbell because if Stuart Skinner keeps, you know, going up and down here, they might turn to the veterans. So <laughs> that is our uh, that is our playoff roundtable kind of preview on all the series because we've we've got everyone we've got everyone covered. For these yeah, series. we'll do that um, uh, every episode now just to keep everyone yeah. up on our analysis of it. And I mean. We'll keep going with the moose as long as they're still in it. And exactly. There'll be more sports too. Obviously we'll shift yep. once hockey's done. So once there, you got near uh, the end of the May, gold, gold yeah. Jersey behind the uh, blue Jays are. I, I, I wish I could point to the sea. The blue Jays jersey, are, but you know, sliding right now, but you know, well, okay. They were on like a seven game win streak and yeah, now they've sliding. lost four in a row. <laughs> Go okay. twins. Okay. <laughs> right, take um, your twins out of here. Hey, we're winning. We're leading the AL central so. in the worst division in baseball. We, I, you know what? I can't really say much, but no, <laughs> can't say much of that. Anyways, we have good pitching. Sunny Gray's apparently good now. So there you go. Oakland, you missed out, but there's a lot of sports that aren't hockey. Is our point, and a lot of them are starting soon. I think Bombers training camp starts next Sunday, the 14th. Uh, yep. Gold Eyes home openers the 19th. Sea Bears home openers the 27th. Uh, we're gonna try and cover them all. We're gonna do some quick hits here and there. Uh, the gold eyes play a lot. The sea bears, not so much. The bombers, yep. not so much, but we're going to, we're going to try and cover it. Um, but while the moose and the Winnipeg ice are still going, we'll keep up with the hockey talk, but thank you very much for listening uh, from Elliot, Brian and I check us out next week and we will see you later. Go blue Jays. Let's go gold eyes. Uh, let's go. I don't <laughs> even know. I, I, I wanted to do a different sport, but I was, you know what? Let's go Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson's the uh, answer. There you go. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 